This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Thank you very much, Jenny. Well, church, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to that passage, Matthew chapter 7, so that we can explore it together. Uh, You probably, if you've been following along with us, know that we are finishing the Sermon on the Mount series. And um, I love this part at the end uh, with its powerful message about how we are building our lives. And um, as you're turning to Matthew 7, 24, I want to uh, think back just for a minute to an event that happened here locally a few years ago. Uh, if, you've, if you've lived here uh, for at least seven years, then you probably remember in 2014, that there was uh, a terrible landslide just outside of Oso. And uh, that year, that winter leading into spring, they had, we had received in this area 200% of the rainfall of a normal year. And that had saturated uh, the, the mountain. And tragically... On March 22nd of 2014, at 10.37 in the morning, the mountain gave way. And uh, those who witnessed it describe a tidal wave of mud and debris sweeping down the mountain and into the river and uh, tragically taking the lives of 43 people, causing untold numbers of uh, dollars in damage, and they're still uh, not fully recovered from that. But you might be asking, why are we talking about such a, a morbid and uh, devastating story to begin our time uh, in this passage? And when, when the story of this landslide was unfolding, uh, people, the researchers began to look back into the history and say, was there, were there no warnings? Did they not know that they were living in a dangerous area? And it turns out there were warnings for decades. In fact, they had been working in, the, uh, in that area to alleviate erosion since the 60s. And uh, geologists and, and different scientists had been warning for decades that this was a, a danger. And at one point, a proposal had even been given to buy out the homes that would be threatened by this. But no one wanted to, to give up their home. This was a... Uh, the type of event that was unforeseen uh, in your common experience. It's hard to imagine that this kind of event could happen. And so warnings went unheeded. 
and tragically lives were lost. And when I think about this passage, I think we could be in that same situation, only in a much more serious way. Because it's not just our lives or our homes that would be at risk if we were to build our lives on unstable ground. It is our eternal souls that hang in the balance. And that is why Jesus, uh, as he's ending this Sermon on the Mount, had very strong warnings. We saw that in last week's passage. And this is a continuation of a very strong warning in the form of a parable. And, um, And this parable of... The, the two men building their lives on a foundation. And so we're going to explore that this morning. So will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, God, would you impress upon us the seriousness with which we should take the words of Christ? And would you give us clarity, insight, leading from your Holy Spirit to examine our own lives, that we would see the foundation that we're building on, and follow your lead to make corrections as needed. So we humbly ask for you to instruct us and teach us from your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. As Jesus is finishing up this beautiful Sermon on the Mount, he is impressing on the hearers to go to the next level. That hearing the teaching of Jesus... Is not enough. Here they've been sitting here listening to this, whether, whether this was all in one sitting or whether over multiple days or even spread out over time, that doesn't matter. They've been hearing these teachings of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hearing is not enough. So, so that's, collect, that's true for us too. We've, we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, hearing the teachings of Jesus, expounding on them, discussing them, and here we come to the end, and Jesus says, hearing is not enough. Hearing is not enough. And, and specifically, he's addressing those who have heard. Look at, this, this is specifically in verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. He's leading us to understand hearing is, is not enough. I don't know if any of you are like me in that I am not an auditory learner. In fact, if someone is, is presenting information to me uh, just orally, I have a very difficult time concentrating. I have to be doing something with my hands. So I, I like to listen to podcasts and sermons while I'm doing work, yard work, or working in the garage, or working on a project, or if I'm sitting uh, listening to a sermon, or in a lecture, or a conference, I have to be doodling, and drawing, and writing detailed notes. That's, that helps transfer the information uh, in, into my brain. Uh, and the worst for me is if someone wants to give me verbal directions, uh, how to do something, or a place to go, uh, how, how to get somewhere. I, if I don't write them down, you, you know the old saying, in one ear and out the other. That, that is true of me. And if we're not careful, we can, maybe we start to think that's what Jesus is talking about here. 
that Jesus is saying, don't just listen to what I'm saying, really get it. That he wants us to take in and absorb his information. And that, that is, I would say, that is still part of the hearing. That is a, a vital part. Jesus wants us to hear and understand and absorb, but that's still not enough. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's impressing upon all who hear his teaching that we need to live out what he is saying. Go to the next level. Think of it this way. It's not enough to hear the teachings of Jesus or be exposed to them. That alone will make no difference in your life. It's not enough even to respect, admire, and appreciate Jesus' teaching. In fact, there are a lot of people in the world who admire Jesus as a moral teacher or some spiritual philosopher. And I would go so far as to say memorizing, teaching, and promoting the message of Jesus, as good as those are, that's not our ultimate goal either. Jesus is compelling us to put his words into practice from a place of faith. And together that brings life change. That's what Jesus is impressing upon us. And I think we can recognize uh, the validity of, validity of that expectation from Jesus. We, 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 we have that same expectation in other areas of our life. Think about when you go to the doctor. If you went and met with your doctor uh, and your doctor said, you know, I went to medical school, but uh, I heard what they had to say. I don't really put a lot of stock in medical schools. So I, I like to use my intuition. Well, you, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't abide by that. The same with uh, a pilot. The last time you flew, the pilot gets on, welcoming everyone. If he had said... Uh, Hello, passengers. Thank you for flying with us. You know, this, this is a well-built aircraft. They finely tuned this, and they've given us some very specific specifications of parameters for uh, load-to-fuel ratios and uh, maximum speeds and climb rates and descent rates and all that. But you know what? Ah, we're not going to pay too much mind to those things today. We're just going to have a good time. If, if you were paying someone to build a home and the builder came to you and says, you know, uh, you know the county, uh, they, they think they know what's best. They put all these building codes in place. They say it's for safety. But I tell you what, I can cut some corners. I can save you some money. We can get it done a lot faster if we just kind of ignore those safety codes. We would not live that way. We would not live in, uh, in all these other areas of our life where we say, I hear what you're saying, that this is true and good and right, but I'm going to live a different way. And Jesus is saying, why would you treat me that way? Why would you treat the words of life from the author and perfecter of our faith who is giving you the foundation and we would say, no, I think I'll hear you, admire you, respect you, and go my own way. And so Jesus is describing then in this parable the difference between those who hear and admire and respect Jesus' teaching but don't live by it. And then those who hear and believe and build their lives on 
the message of Jesus. And so, the compelling uh, warning is, choose well the foundation of your life. Choose well. We we choose a lot of things in today's society, Uh, especially here in America. We have so many choices. I mean, if we tried to list all the choices we made just to get here in this place this morning, it would be uh, astounding. I remember uh, hearing about uh, someone who immigrated to America from uh, another country, and the first time they went to the grocery store and were standing on the cereal aisle in the grocery store, they just were paralyzed because in their country, they would never have dreamed of the amount of, of diversity of choice that we have, even on the cereal aisle in the grocery store. So we're used to making choices, and we're, used to, we're, we're accustomed to having people tell us what they think is best for us and the choices we make. But this is a choice unlike any other. Which foundation will we choose? Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a man uh, who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Here's what I want us to, point, to recognize from these two verses. Both of these people built houses. Both of them chose a foundation on which to build their houses. Jesus isn't talking about some people. He's talking about everyone. Every one of us will build our lives on some foundation or other. Whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we're far in life or just starting out. In fact, each day in a way is a choice to build on a foundation or another. And so what foundations do people build their lives on? And I would say... it's probably a, a very large number of things if we were to list them out. Whatever someone is counting on to support their lives, to give their lives the core meaning and purpose, to sustain them through difficulties, to uh, give them joy and, and uh, success in life, whatever they're counting on for the supporting of everything else, that is is their foundation. So for some people, it's their careers. Their career means everything to them. For a lot of people, it's family or other relationships. And uh, maybe it's uh, financial security or uh, physical health. Maybe it's some kind of noble cause, uh, some, uh, something that inspires them and challenges them to sacrifice for something bigger than themselves. For some people, it's spiritual enlightenment. I watched a documentary about a cult recently, and it's astounding the, the, the way people will build their lives on this idea of spiritual enlightenment. And for some people, it's just the debased pursuit of wealth or pleasure. Many foundations that people build their lives on. And, and even there are some foundations that we might choose that seem right. They seem good, and they seem to be... Like, this might be the right foundation. And uh, 
for instance, maybe church activity. Maybe some people, they just throw themselves into being involved in the church or maybe helping other people. Maybe even that there are some people that, that love theological contemplation. And that's what they build their whole lives on. But you know what? Jesus is urging us, whatever the foundation you might be tempted to build on, even if it seems noble or good, he's urging us to build our lives on the foundation of his teachings, on Jesus alone. And in fact, to say his teachings must include the, the, the core of his teaching, which is that Jesus is the Savior of the world who gave his life on the cross for our sins. That we, when we put our faith in him, we are forgiven of our sins and brought into the family of God. That is the core of Jesus' teaching. And yes, that includes Sermon on the Mount, includes all the other aspects of Christ's teachings, but there's no way to fully build on the foundation, for instance, that we find here in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount without first coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is not trying to be a spiritual guru. He's not trying to just show us some enlightened way to live. You could take the Sermon on the Mount and you could make it that. You could make it just spiritual platitudes, some enlightenment to try to to live a new way and make a, a better world. And it would do that. But that's not the point. The point is Jesus came to be so much more than a spiritual guru. He came to be the Savior that we desperately a need in our lives. And then when we follow Jesus where he leads, we follow him in faith, then he leads us into a path of putting into practice the truths that he's taught us. And so Jesus is trying to shake awake those who are hearing his words but not building their lives on the foundation of his truth. And why is this important? Why is it important that we Build on the right foundation because the storms will rage against each one of us. In this parable, he's got two men building houses on foundations, but then the storms come. For both the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and the houses were pounded. And we'll talk about one stands and one collapses in a moment. But I want to, I want to point out that the, the terrible storms fell upon both people. This is something that's very hard for us to come to grips with. For some reason, I think we instinctively or our own our personal desires, we think following Jesus means no more storms. But every one of us will experience the destructive storms of life. When I was growing up in West Tennessee, if you um, if you were to visit that part of the county where I grew up, on the very edge of the county was the Mississippi River, and there was this transition from kind of like the upper part of the county down into like 
the, uh, the uh, Mississippi River uh, like flood zone. And we called it the bluff. Like you were going down the hill and it was distinctive. Like everything looked different. There were marks up on the trees where when the river overflowed its banks, like it left the mud on the, on the trees. Uh, but the most distinctive thing about going down into the bluff, into the Mississippi River floodplain, was the houses. The houses were all built up on stilts. It's incredible. Like with, uh, the first time as a kid when I saw that, I did not understand what I was seeing. Because we never went down there when it was flooded. I didn't know that it flooded. And when it was explained to me, the houses are built up on stilts because in the spring, when the rains come, the river overflows its banks. And this is all flood area. And people still live here. And, and later, I learned some of my friends at school, uh, they, the, the parents parked up at the top of the bluff, and they parked their boat, and they would drive the boat home after school and then come back to the car the next day. And that, seeing those houses on stilts was a reminder that even in the dry time, you knew the river was going to flood. The storms we're going to come. And we, we have to hear Jesus' warning here. Even if life feels great, if things are going fine, if it's, everything's on track, that we cannot neglect the foundation that we're building on. Because the storms will come. Now, when you think of storms, if, if you've spent your whole life here in this part of the country, we have a very limited uh, understanding of what storms are here. But... Um, the kind of storms that Jesus describes in this, uh, we need to think more like hurricane, tornadoes, um, torrential rain, flooding, and some storms that we experience in our lives, they may be momentary, they may be small, but sometimes they're going to rage on and on, and they're going to be life-consuming, and they're going to threaten the foundation of our lives. I remember uh, one momentary storm that struck in my own life. It was in 2010 when our third son, Gideon, had just been born. And we were in the hospital just hours after he was born, and most of his parents were watching our older two boys. And so they came for a visit, and we had a quick little visit in the hospital room and taking the pictures and everything. And then they left to take the boys home and so Melissa could rest and I could hold the baby. And all of a sudden, Melissa experienced a life-threatening complication. And the doctors rushed in and took her off to the emergency room for surgery. And, and here I was, after the bustle of all of that, sitting in this hospital room, having no one there explaining anything, just that she had to get the surgery right now. It was life-threatening. And I'm holding this baby and the tentacles of panic and fear and desperation start creeping in. And in that moment, by God's grace, I had a moment of clarity. And I realized it's moments like this that expose the foundation that we've built our lives on. And we, when we're experiencing the storms, that they, they show us, am I built on something that can stand this? Or if, am I built on something that if it is taken away, my life will crumble? 
And that's what Jesus is impressing on us. And you too, you face storms. You face storms in your life, some terrible, some momentary, and you will face many more. And some of you in this room or watching, joining us online, you're going through storms right now. And by God's grace, he will persevere you through the storms. But Jesus wants us to recognize they will come. There's one more way we can interpret this storm that Jesus is describing. And it is a storm that, uh, against which no one can stand. And that is the judgment. And so some interpreters think Jesus is talking about a storm that comes at the end when we all face the judgment. The, the final storm, you might say. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. This life will be over one day, some, for some of us sooner than others. But for every one of us, this life will be over. And all that will be left is what foundation we built on. And we'll be standing before the Lord. And we will have no excuses. Everything will be laid bare. What, what will your foundation reveal? Because only one foundation stands. And that was Jesus' point. Jesus is the firm foundation for this life and our rock of hope for our eternal life. We, we, we love to uh, repeat that idea that Jesus is our rock. And I wanted to point out some of where we could get that in the Scripture. In fact, I didn't know this, but Pete had worked it into our liturgy. Um, but uh, So Jesus is our rock. Jesus says, uh, the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Jesus is our rock. Psalm 18, 1 through, two, uh, 1 through 2. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Jesus is the foundation that stands. But we find this idea even further back in the Old Testament. In Moses' song of worship, in Deuteronomy 32, Moses proclaims, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. This is our God. Why, why do all other foundations fall? Why do all other foundations crumble in the storms of life and especially at the judgment? Because they are all temporary. They are built with, on temporary things. Things that are subject to destruction. Things that are subject to time. Things that are dependent on human strength to maintain. Things that are dependent either on ourselves or on other people. And, and, and even things that do not fully give God the glory. Because we're trying to make them uh, the focus of our lives. No, 
there is one foundation that stands, and that is Jesus Christ. He's our firm foundation for this life, life and our rock of hope for the eternal life. Now, I want to point out something about this parable. If, if we're not careful, we can focus on the builder building the house. And we might think, what Jesus is telling us is, I have to build a really good house. I have to build a house that can stand the storm. So uh, we, we start to moralize and we start to uh, self-justify. And we start to say, if I live a good life, then my life will stand. There are plenty of people that live really good lives, but it's built on the wrong foundation. And it crumbles anyway. And there are plenty of people that stumble and fail their way through life, but they are founded on the rock of Jesus. And they stand. Because it's not about how good of a house builder you are. It's not about how perfect you can be. Because every one of us, we're going to build imperfect houses, but we can build on the perfect foundation and stand. And this is the grace of God. I want to I take a little bit of a point of application here. We, Jesus' parable is primarily about the individual and how we live our lives on the truth of Christ or not. But this, the same is true for the church. Likewise, there's, there's only one foundation for the church as well. And so I want to, I want to read, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a longer passage, um, but where Jesus is talking about the rock on which he's going to build his church. And so uh, from Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the, that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But... Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The foundational truth of the church is this. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is our foundation. The foundation for what we call the church universal, our big C church, some people say. That's God's called together people from all time, all places. That is the foundation of the people of God. But it's also the same foundation for the, the local expression of the church, what we call the, the local church, the body of Christ in this place. We have one foundation, Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if we try to build the church on any other foundation, it will crumble. Whether that's uh, a particular pastor uh, a leader, set of leaders, whether it's a ministry program that we really like, whether it's a, a style or brand or DNA, whether it's a network or a denomination. If we try to build on some reputation we're trying to make in the community, uh, 
even a beloved missions partner or some missions effort, even if we have like the select group of people that we, we just love them so much and when we're super connected to, that can't be our foundation. All of these things that I've just said, in some way they're part of a local church and, and some of them are really good to be part of the local church, but they can't be the foundation because all of those things can be taken away. All those things come and they go. And storms still come, even to churches. Churches face storms. And if we are facing a storm and have built the church on the wrong foundation, the church cannot stand. But if we've built on Jesus Christ, on the good news that he is the Savior, and and built on his teaching and his truth and his disciple-making through us, then the church can weather the storms and continue carrying on with the God-honoring, Christ-following purposes that he's given to his church. Now, if you've been around for any length of time, you know that Sound City, we're going through a bit of a storm. And it's difficult and painful. And I would say that that we have an opportunity right now to see what's the foundation of our church. Are we building this church on Christ alone and on his truth and his message and the work he wants to do? But, But if not, we need to make that correction without delay. Because Jesus is the only foundation that stands the only one worth building on. And so as we finish this passage, there's a reminder of the authority of Christ. Who is this one that is telling us that we should build our lives on his truth? Who is he? Jesus is the one with unparalleled authority. Submit to the unparalleled authority of Jesus The end of the passage says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. that's, That's not a small thing for them to say and not like their scribes. The scribes were the authority on the law, on the word of God. The scribes, it was their job. We might think of them almost like lawyers, except for, the, for the, the Israelite people, they were a God-centered, they had a God-centered law. Now, we, don't, we have a secular law. But the scribes in ancient Israel were men whose business it was to study the law from childhood, to transcribe it, put it in modern uh, language, and to write commentaries on it. They, they were even called on to interpret the law and make judgments about, uh, are we understanding this correctly? And, and I want to live my life by the law, so help me see where I'm wrong. They were called in to write contracts. They were called in for legal interpretations. A famous scribe in the Bible is Ezra. You can go read uh, the, the book of Ezra and hear about his life. But in other words, these scribes had the authority in that community, in that culture. And yet Jesus, in his teaching, 
they recognized he had an unparalleled authority. And we know that was because he was the Christ, the son of the living God. So the question is, will we, will you and I, will we submit to the authority of Jesus and build our lives on his truth? So let's think about some next steps. I would say at every opportunity, we need to be examining our life closely to understand what foundation am I building on. And then we can't build on the foundation of Jesus if we're not pursuing the truth of Jesus, understanding it, believing it, and living it out. And so that has very practical Implications to how we interact with the Word of God on a regular basis and believe it and live it. We also need to be inviting other people. This is a journey that we can't do on our own. That's why we strongly encourage you to be connected to other believers. One way we do that is through our community groups. But getting involved with other believers who are on the same journey with you, building on the same foundation, so we can point out when when we're, we're having cracks in our foundation, we're starting to build on something we shouldn't. And then we need to seek to put all of our inner and outer life into submission to Jesus. For some reason, we, we like to continually take back the submission of our lives and either give ourselves final authority or give it to someone else. But we have to continually be giving submission to Jesus as the authority over our life and pray for our church Pray for us as we're going through this bit of a storm and say, Lord, show us the foundation and help us build on Jesus alone. Will you pray with me? God, you know, you know the foundation upon each, upon which each of us is building. You can see it clearly, even if it's hidden from us for the moment. Would you expose that? Would you show us if we are putting our meaning, our purpose, our trust in something else? Even something good, even something noble, but it's not on Christ alone. God, would you impress on our hearts that because this is a fallen world, we are fallen people, and you've yet to fully redeem everything, that we will face storms. Would you impress upon us the urgency of our need to build on the foundation of Jesus? And God, what we pray for our church, you would show us where we need to make corrections to our foundation. And God, help us to submit to the authority of Christ. We like to be our own king. We like to be our own ruler. But that's not how you've made us. Give us a submissive heart before the Lord. So even now, as we prepare to uh, gather around the table, would you make your presence known in our lives, speak to us deeply, and God, let us enjoy your presence at the table. In Jesus' name. Amen.